Well, hey, good morning to you, Grace. Did you know the Bible talks about being alone? And that's what we're talking about today. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24 this morning, Matthew chapter 24. We're in a series that's all about what is next, and I'm guessing that the reason that you're here at Grace Community Church today is that you want to be closer to God this year than you were last year. Maybe last year wasn't that bad, but you want to be closer to God this year than last year, and that's a good thing. I want the same thing. God wants the same thing. And so that's what the series is all about, what's next. And don't worry about the thing that's next for you is not being more lonely. That's not the point here. But I know that everyone in this room has been lonely, has felt alone at some point in their life. Have you ever uh, read those uh, Where's Waldo books? Have you ever seen those things? Okay, how many people, just so I know who I'm talking to. Okay, all right, so we're familiar. Okay, so for those of you who aren't familiar, Waldo is the guy who's like up in the upper left-hand corner up there. That's Waldo. So the point of these books is that you try to find Waldo in a sea of faces. There's thousands of people out there. And so as a kid, you stare at the book, going through each little section, trying to systematically going through to find where Waldo is. And after about an hour and a half of that, you don't find him and you have to start all over again. And then once you finally find Waldo, and in this picture, he's kind of like somewhere kind of in the middle there, uh, kind of above the red tent, you flip the page over and there's a whole new scene with thousands of more people trying to find Waldo all over again. And there are some people here at Grace Community Church that feel kind of like Waldo here at Grace. Um, You're not quite sure where you fit. You're fun, you're unique, uh, you add a new dynamic, you add uniqueness to our ministries here, but you're just not quite sure where you fit. You kind of feel a little alone, even though you're among a bunch of people, um, like-minded people, granted, but you still feel alone. You wish that you could have said hi to someone this morning, but you just forgot their name and you kind of felt embarrassed to ask them their name again and so you just didn't say hi to anybody other than the person that greeted you at the front door. You wish that someone would have said hi to you this morning and asked you about your job and asked you about your kids and asked you about your health situation, but no one did. And so you kind of feel like you're lost in a sea of faces Even here at Grace Community Church, you kind of feel alone, even though you're around a lot of people. And that's somewhat common. And so if that's the way that you feel today, I'm glad that you are here. If you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. Uh, There's a study that was done just last year by Cigna Healthcare about loneliness. You're wondering, why in the world would a healthcare company do any sort of extensive research on loneliness. Well, let me show you one of the results from the study. This is what was found in the study, that loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. (laughs) Yeah! And, okay, so now let's follow it. Cigna Healthcare is just a, they're a healthcare company, and they want to lower their costs, and they don't want you dying from loneliness, Okay? And so that's why they're doing these studies. And so here's some of the things that they found in this study. Young people ages 18 to 30 are reporting loneliness at a rate that is outpacing older counterparts. And those of you who are of the older range there, you're like, yeah, of course. Uh, It's all this social media stuff. They have like 3,000 friends, and yet they don't know a single one of them. They have 400 likes on a picture, and nobody really likes them. That's where it comes from. 
And so Cigna did a, a large aspect of study regarding social media and loneliness, and you'll be surprised at the findings. This is what they found. That people with the highest rates of social media use, you know, like Facebook, uh, Snapchat, uh, Instagram, the highest rates of social media use have similar rates of loneliness to those who barely use it. Huh. But we kind of already knew that already because loneliness has been around far longer than Facebook or Instagram have people been lonely for thousands of years. And it's not just a young person thing either, it's an older person thing too. 40% of people who are of retirement age report of being regularly lonely. How's that 15 cigarettes a day going for you? Okay, loneliness is bad for your health. That's what this says. The health industry says that being alone is bad for your health. And the Bible says that loneliness is bad for your spiritual health too. Did you know that? Being lonely, being alone is bad for your spiritual health. And that's why I asked you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 is gonna be a strange place to find comfort in our loneliness, um, but it tells us about the uh, the spiritual benefit of being around other Christians, of belonging to other Christians. And so Matthew chapter 24, verse three is where we're gonna begin reading. It says this, and he, this is Jesus, is sitting on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? We get what's happening. Jesus is there, and his apostles come and say, when is the apocalypse going to come, Jesus? That's what they're wondering. When is the end of the world going to come? When are you going to come back? Jesus is right there in front of you. Wouldn't you ask him a question like that? I would too. And so we asked him this question, and here is his answer. Verse four, and Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying I am the Christ and will mislead many. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Verse nine, and here's kind of the point that, that Jesus is making here. Then many will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many, that's a big word, many, many Christians will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. So this is Jesus talking about a time that hasn't come yet, the future called the end times. And Jesus warns that these birth pangs of human history are gonna increase in their intensity and they're gonna increase in their frequency. And many Christians will fall away. What does fall away mean? Does it mean that they lose their salvation? They lose their eternal life? No. Eternal means eternal, it's still eternal life. So what does fall away mean? Fall away means that they will grow weaker in their faith. They will become less healthy in their spiritual faith. They will fall away from the things that they were once committed to. Now why will this happen according to Jesus? Well, because culture, the society will begin to 
put more and more pressure on godly people that they will hate more and more the things of God and it will increase in intensity until the point in time where Christians are completely separated from each other and many, those who have no Christian belonging to any other Christian at all, they will fall away, they will weaken in their faith. You see, being alone is not just unhealthy for you physically, it's unhealthy for a Christian spiritually too. And God knew that this was going to happen, and so that's why he created the church, a group of people who get together. That is the purpose that they have, is to encourage and help each other, even though there's pressures for us on the outside. That is why he created it in the, in the first century. So Jesus is talking about Years from now, days from now, I don't know, the, the end times, okay? 2,000 years ago when the apostles asked him this question, when a person put their faith and trust in Jesus, they were immediately segregated from the rest of their culture. Immediately. <laughs> Identifying with Jesus as their Messiah was a dividing line because that entire generation had said, no, Jesus is of Satan, he's not of God. And so when you say, no, he's of God, you immediately build up walls and barriers with people uh, in your culture around you. So you lose your friends, for sure. Those Christians lost their kind of extended family, for sure. They lost their jobs because their employers didn't want those weirdo Christians working for them. They lost their houses probably because they couldn't pay rent. They might have even lost their spouse if their spouse was committed to not Jesus. They might have lost their adult kids, their relationship with them because they were committed to not Jesus. And so they had nothing else but this group of people. And the Christians who didn't have a group to be around, they, even in the first century, were falling away. They weren't losing their salvation. They're growing weaker and weaker in their faith. And so that's the way it has been for all of time, for thousands of years. When you separate yourself from a group of believers, a Christian will begin to fall away from the first century all the way to the end times. And that's why one of the books in our Bible called Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish Christians. And the purpose of that book was to encourage those Hebrew, the Jewish Christians who had kind of separated themselves from culture because they had identified with Jesus. It was to encourage them to go find a group of people to be around because that's going to help you be strong in your Christian faith. And I want to show you how that, how that comes out in Hebrews 10. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, this is what the author says. He says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That, that's the life of a believer once they put their faith and trust in Jesus. Love and serving the Lord. Okay? How do we do that? Well, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, because we certainly know that there are some people who say, well, I don't need that organized religion thing. I don't need a group of people. It's a personal relationship. He says, no, no, no. Don't forsake that assembling together, as is the habit of some. Why? So you can encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day, as things get worse and worse to the day of Christ's return. You see, that's the purpose 
That's the reason that God created a church, a group of people was to encourage each other from not falling away. Being alone, not only is 15 cigarettes a day physically, but being alone is 15 cigarettes a day spiritually. It's unhealthy for a believer spiritually to be alone. And that's what we're talking about today. We've been following a group of Christians who were new in their faith and they were going through various spiritual steps of spiritual growth. And so we're gonna continue following them today. So would you turn in your Bibles now to the book of Acts? Now that we've kind of set up the storyline or the theme for today. Acts chapter two, verse 37. And as you're finding it, I'll kind of give you a little background on where you're turning to. All the Christians on planet Earth numbered 120 people. That was how many Christians there were when Jesus went back up into heaven. And so they had seen Jesus die. They had seen him rise from the grave as now their, their savior, proving that he is God, alive to them. And it's exciting. Now our savior is alive from the dead. He's walking with us. How great is this? Then all of a sudden he leaves. And all the Christians, 120 of them are standing around. Well, what do we do next? What's next? We always want to know what's next. And so what next for them was just in their Jewish calendar as it just kind of flowed through time. It was time for a big celebration called the Feast of Weeks where they celebrated two very important parts of uh, the Jewish past. And so giant celebration where everybody would get together. People came from other countries. People came from out of town. And they'd have these giant house parties celebrating the Feast of Weeks. And sometimes we know it as the Pentecost because it was Penta 50 days after the celebration of the Passover. And so everyone is, everyone, 120 people are in a house. But it's just up and down the street. All the streets are like that. Everybody has giant house parties celebrating the Feast of Weeks. And the Bible describes what happens in this house, that God sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of Christians right then and there. The Bible describes as a rushing wind and the earth shakes and these flames come up over the Christians' heads and they start to speak in other languages, languages that they don't know, but the people that had come from out of town, they knew it and they were all amazed. And so the next door neighbor's like, What's going on over at the crazy house? So they came over and they looked. And then they got on their phones and they called some other of their friends. And people started to gather around this house where weird, crazy things were happening. Uh, pretty soon, KTLA heard about it. They sent a helicopter over, you know, with the spotlight, to the camera to see what it was. And they sent a, a van over. And they had a person out in front talking about all the crazy, 120 crazy people. And so thousands and thousands of people were gathered around this house of 120. They were just all partying, you know. That's what it was. And so they're like, well, they're just drunker than we are. <laughs> they, they, they just figured the Christians were drunker than they were. We're buzzed compared to them. Look at them. And so the apostles kind of figured out, we can't let them think that that's what it is. We can't let them think that we're just a bunch of drunk people. We need to tell them what's going on. And so Peter goes out with a sermon and he tells them about who Jesus is using Old Testament references that Jesus really was the Messiah. He was not of Satan. He was of God and he was the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. He talked about his crucifixion, the Messiah dying for the sins of people. Talked about the resurrection and Jesus coming back alive again, proving that he is God. Then he talked about the ascension of Jesus going back up into heaven. And, and then he talked about Jesus' promise that he's going to come back. And then he talked about this Holy Spirit thing that, that they had seen right there. And so when everyone heard all this about who Jesus was, about the whole story, their response is recorded in verse 37. 
In verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? What do we do next? That is the natural response of people. What do we do next? And here's what they were to do next. Peter said to them, repent. That's the very first step. Change your mind about Jesus. He is not of Satan. He is not what you said he was. You change your mind. That's what repent means. You go the opposite direction. He, he's not of Satan. He's actually God, of God, not just of God. He is God, and he died on the cross for your sins. Instead of trying to do it good, sorry, to do it your own way, you're dead in your sins. You put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Allow him to wash you of your sin. Now you have the hope of eternity in heaven. Repent. Step number one. Not only that, step number two, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit just like you've seen us right here at this house, you can receive this Holy Spirit too. And so that's step two. Not only are you saved, then the next step is baptism. Uh, that's the first step of discipleship, Jesus calls it, uh, making other people know about it. And some of you have taken the first step, but you haven't taken the second step of baptism. And so for, for you, those of you who haven't done that, that is your next step. We have three people getting baptized second service because they want to take that next step in, in making it public. They're already going to heaven right now, even though they haven't been baptized yet. But they want people to know about it because it's just the next step. Many of you have already taken that step. In verse 41, it tells us how many people of that giant party who heard this news took that next step of salvation and then baptism. Verse 41, it says, so then those who had received the word, meaning had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So now you have, have a group of Christians that not, is not just 120, it's now 3,120. They were all baptized after they put their faith and trust in Jesus. And then last week we studied the next step, verse 42, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were learning from God. And that, for some of you, last week you made a commitment to read God's word every day. Read the Bible in a committed way, as a way of learning from God. And that might be your next step. But many of you are already doing that. And so today, we're talking about what's next. In this series, I don't want you to do everything. I just want you to pick where your next step is, and I want you to do just that one thing. I just want you to grow closer to God just, just one more step this year. Don't do them all. Pick the one that is next for you. And so that's what we're studying today. What is the next step? After salvation and baptism and reading God's word, what's next? So verse 42 describes what their life was like. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, we studied that, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Now, that's not what I'm going to ask you today is to give me your car, okay? That's what we're talking about. Verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. That is the next step. What we just read is the next step for you. Belonging. Belonging to a church family. For some of you, that's the next step, to, to find a place to belong it's unhealthy to be alone. Spiritually, 
It's unhealthy to be alone. And for some of you, that's your next step, is to belong to a local church. Now, maybe you have some of your friends who say, well, I don't need a church. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't need all that other people stuff. I don't need the organized stuff. Well, I'm sure they're a Christian, but they aren't living a biblically Christian life. And I just mean that by we don't see Christians in the Bible living like that. We don't see Christians in the Bible living alone because we've already read from scripture that it's unhealthy for us spiritually. People who live alone spiritually, they fall away. They weaken in their faith. And that is never the goal. It's to grow in our faith and to get deeper and to get stronger in our faith. Um, Now, I realize I'm talking to the choir here (laughs) because you all showed up today. I mean, the the charges are playing right now and you're here, you know? I mean, so you're here. You're committed to this thing. I, I get it. But there's more here than what you imagine. It's not just saying that they showed up on a semi-regular basis to a worship service and then drove home. There's more to it than that. And so let me show you what this is saying regarding these people and the belonging that they had. Look at verse 42 again. Not only were they devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the word there is koinonia, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place. This group of Christians, they were tight. They were tight. That's what we're talking about, right? They were tight together. They had a closeness together. They had to be. They they didn't have any friends. They had been baptized and that created a distance from everyone else. They had to have somebody else. If they didn't have this group of Christians to belong to, they had nothing because they distanced themselves from the national position religiously. And so they had no one else except for these people at this church. The word fellowship there I mentioned is koinonia. It means um, partnership. It means sharing. That's what was happening in this church. It wasn't just showing up on a Sunday morning and then leaving. It was a partnership. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you not only have a partnership with God, you also have a partnership with God's people. You have a partnership with, with other believers. A Christian who separates himself from a local church is is separating himself from clear teaching in scripture. We've already read it in Hebrews. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't, what, what we're doing here, don't, don't forsake this. Don't stop this. And don't give up on this. Why? Because it hurts you spiritually when you're alone. You fall away when you're alone. It's 15 cigarettes a day when you're alone spiritually. That's why Jesus created the the church. Verse 44 says, And all those who had believed together had all things in common. And even says down below that they were of one mind. So what does this mean? That all these Christians were of one mind. That they all had like the favorite ice cream, you know, the favorite ice cream flavor and it was all the same. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? One, two, three. Strawberry. Oh, you too. Wow, so good. Is it that? Is that what in common means here? No. It doesn't mean that we all uh, like the same sports teams. It doesn't mean that we all vote the same way. It doesn't mean that we all dress the same way. That's not what this commonality was referring to. This means that they all had each other's back. 
They were all on the same team. They were all in it together. They were tight. That's what I mean by belong to a group of Christians. Not just showing up on, a, on one day a week and saying we're good and moving on. Belonging, fellowship, tightness, partnership, sharing, being together. That is what he was referring to here. That's what is describing here, the belonging. And that is really the goal. Uh, well, not the goal, a goal of a local church. A goal of the local church is that no one is alone. No one's alone. No one's lost in a sea of faces where they don't know anybody and nobody knows that. No one's a Waldo. That's the goal. That's a goal of the church, that no one's a Waldo. Is that a pretty good goal? You know? No one is alone. Now we have different personalities in here. We have some people who are extroverts. Extroverts means they, they, they build energy by being around other people. They love to be around other people. If they're not around other people, they're kind of depressed and disappointed. And when they're around other people, they, they get invigorated. And often churches are filled with extroverts because this is what you love. But then there's another group of people that you extroverts really stress out. It's the introverts, okay? You stress out the introverts. Introverts are people who they kind of gain their fuel by being alone to get away from you extroverts for a little bit, okay? And so an introvert might see this and say, no one alone? I got to get away from these people for a little bit, okay? That, look, I'm with you. I'm, I'm on that. I'm on the introvert team too. It's not a, you know, it's not a disease. It's okay. And this doesn't mean that you're never alone, Okay? This just means that if you asked an extrovert and you asked an introvert, both of them would tell you that they belong. Both of them would tell you that they don't feel like they're alone at grace. That is the goal of a local church. And so I've shown this to you in two places but I want to show you one more place that probably you're relatively familiar with talking about uh, people being together, the benefits of people being together. The Bible talks about this often in Ecclesiastes 4. It does it in just another way, just another way to see it. The benefits of being together as opposed to alone. Two are better than one, Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for the labor. For if one of them falls... The one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls and breaks his ankle and can't walk to the phone to call 911 <laughs> when there's not another one to lift him up. There's a benefit of having two people to be together. That's what it's saying. Okay? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. That just means you're downtown Riverside and someone's going to jump you because you're there at night. If there are two of you with you, you know, that's why I always say, go in twos, okay? Because then you can jump the guy who's going to jump you, okay? There's benefit in having multiple people together. And the one that probably you can most identify with, or at least the one that sounds the most familiar to you, is a cord of three strands is not quickly torn, torn apart. And I brought some rope and some string here um, because we're not familiar with this, you know. 
they worked with rope, you know, nets, fishing, carrying, building. They were familiar with, with rope and then it could carry things and the benefit of the rope for carrying things. We don't get it. We type on keyboards. Like, you know, we, we don't get that. But that's why he used this example of rope because one piece of rope, you know, when you start to put some pressure on it, it just starts to pull apart. It's just, when you just have one, it just falls apart. And that's the, the point that he's making, is that when you have just one, life brings some pressure and it starts to get hard. And you start to do things alone. You start to do your finances alone and you don't have anyone that you're accountable to and you don't even talk to your spouse about it. You get yourself into some trouble and you start feeling the pressure and all of a sudden you break. You're torn apart. There's a benefit to having other people together. See, it's spiritually hurtful you fall away when you don't have someone else with you. So that's why he's using this example, okay? When there's only one, it's easy to tear it apart. Have you been in a relationship this last year, 2018, that was really difficult? You tried to do it alone, and you, and you didn't have other people to talk to about it, other people to pray with you for it, other people to give you advice. Things just got so tight that it just, after a while, it just breaks. That's what they're saying here. That's the idea here. And so there's a benefit when you start to wrap all this together. This is, all this is, is just this stuff wrapped together. That's all this is, okay? Just wrap it together. This can't take too much pressure. If I can rip it apart, it's not much pressure at all, okay? This can hold 300 pounds. It's not gonna break, 300 pounds, this is what belonging to a group is like. It just helps carry the weight that, that, that is upon you. We've all felt alone at some point in time. There's benefit to having other people to help carry the weight. That is the benefit. That is why God created the local church is for this, so that this doesn't happen to you so that you can carry the weight that you live with. That's the purpose of the church. When I say the church, I don't mean this building. I mean us, us, that's what it is. I don't want you to be alone at grace. And I think if you're feeling alone, you don't wanna be either. So you're wondering, what do, what do I do? What, what do I do? What's my next step? Well, your next step is one of two things. Either belong to the grace membership family and many of you are already members of our church family, or belong to a small group here at Grace Community Church. It is in those two ways you will begin to find a belonging, not just an attending, not just a, I came and I left, but where you will find a belonging, where other people can help carry the weight that you, that you carry. Um, some of you are not members of our church. And I know some of you are trying to figure out if that's right for you, right for you or not. Um, there are great benefits to being a member at Grace, and there's some responsibilities to being a member at Grace. And in our culture, the word member like has some really negative connotations, you know, like paying dues, secret handshakes. You know, the outsiders are outsiders and the insiders are insiders, and it feels really dirty to you. You just don't want to be a part of that sort of thing. I get it. Jesus doesn't like that either. I don't like that either. I don't want to be a part of that stuff. That's why we call it being a part of the Grace family. 
because that's what it's like. We've just read here in Acts what membership in this church was like. It's like being a part of a family. There's great benefits to being a part of a family and there's responsibilities to being a part of a family. Great benefits to being a part of the Zickert family. When you get together with the Zickert family, you have Tanya cooking for you. You have my mom cooking for you. It's great. But when you go and you're part of the Zickert family, you have a bunch of people that love you even though you've been an idiot in your past. They know your history and they still love you. There's a benefit to being a part of the Zickert family. There's also some responsibilities though to being a part of the Zickert family. You need to be a Dodger fan. Okay? <laughs> if you're not a Dodger fan, excommunicated. <laughs> this last year, you know, the Dodgers were playing the World Series, the Red Sox, and it became fairly obvious that the Dodgers weren't going to win. And so my 13-year-old son, Caleb, started to poke at me, and he started cheering for the Red Sox. <sighs> so I changed his last name, <laughs> took him out of my will, spent all his college fund on Dodgers apparel. <laughs> He's out, eh? There's great benefits to being a part of a family and responsibilities to being a part of a family. And I'm convinced that that's what this first century church is like. I think that's what church membership is like. In Acts, it talks all about the membership of the church in all sorts of different ways. They even, they even counted. They even counted who they were. We've already seen the count. 120 and 3,120 and so on in Acts. It continues to count because there were people being added to their number. People wanted to belong to that. That was the church family, the church family membership. And then in Acts, it talks, it talks about ways that that church selected its leaders. Who did they select for their leaders? Did they just select people driving down Van Buren? No, they selected people from the belonging group. And they said, okay, here are your deacons and your deaconesses and your elders. They, they come right from the group that, that is the belonging group. They come from that membership family. And Jesus even talked about ways to remove people from that group. Well, how do you remove someone from the group unless they're in in the first place? So I'm confident that the Bible talks about belonging to a family. Why? Because it hurts you spiritually if you're not. You'll fall away if you don't have a group to be around spiritually. Now, this is not a sales pitch for you to become a member here at Grace. Um, some of you are still trying to decide if this is the right church for you or not. That's an important decision to make. But at some point in time, I hope you make a decision. If this isn't the place, it's fine. Find a place that you can so you experience the great benefits and the responsibilities of being a part of a church. There's a great benefit of being a part of a church family. You have elders that have the responsibility, a God-given responsibility that are protective of your souls. They pray for you. The elders here at Grace are active in ministry so that they know you and you can know them and so that you can ask them questions. They can give you some advice if you ask for it. And they pray for you. They care for you. That's a great benefit to have something like that. You can join ministry, begin to serve each other. That's a great benefit. Once a year, we have this giant celebration banquet where we all get together and it's a free party. It's not quite Feast of Weeks party, um, but it's, it's close, okay? And there's no fundraising. We just celebrate all that God has done for us in the last year. Just great benefits to being a part of a church family. There are responsibilities too. 
We commit to serving each other. We commit to supporting this financially, the ministry that God has called us to. Uh, Members hold the responsibility of protecting the gospel that comes from this pulpit by selecting the leaders of this church. There's responsibilities and benefits to being a member here at Grace Community Church. And so that might be your next step, to find a place to belong. And maybe you've already done that. Maybe you already kind of belong. Um, and yet you don't know a lot of people yet. You've been here for two or three years, you still don't know a lot of people. Well, your next step would be to belong to a a smaller group than this. That you'd belong to a a small group where you begin to get to know people and other people get to know you and your concerns and your worries and you pray for them and they pray for you. That little pamphlet that you received when you came in, there is a list every week and all the little things that we do here. And the purpose that we have, everything in that bulletin and more that's not, is so that people can find a place to be known, to belong, where other people know them and they know other people so they can pray and encourage and begin to carry the weight, begin to carry the weight of each other. And so I could, I could talk about all those that are in the bulletin. I'm gonna just talk about three. We have these things called um, platoons. They're for men, men's small groups is basically what it is. And it's guys who get together once a week, usually at a restaurant. It's for one hour each week, and they memorize the Bible verse together. When I say group, I mean like two, three, four, five, six, like that kind of size. And you could get to know two or three or four or five or six names, couldn't you? When you came to church next week, you would know two or three or four or five or six other people that you don't know today. And so what the guys do is they will memorize a verse each week. They'll read the Bible each week and they'll talk about it. They'll pray for each other. They'll talk about what's going on in their lives as they're eating. And as you begin to get to know each other, you begin to carry each other's weight. Uh, someone's family might be sick and you might go over and mow their lawn. You just carry each other's weight. Hey, issues come up and you go over and help. Uh, they have to move. You might help move. Now that is like a commitment right there, okay? <laughs> Moving people is the worst thing ever. But see, when you're together, when you're together in it, moving can break people. I mean, it can break your sanity. You get five guys and their families moving together, it happens pretty quick, right? It's just guys being together, holding each other up, caring for each other, encouraging one another to love and good deeds. If they didn't have that, they would be falling away. So, Platoons, there's another one on that, in that bulletin that you have uh, called Set Apart Groups. It's just the same thing for women. Two, three, four, five, six women getting together, restaurant at a home. They'll eat together, they'll pray for each other, read the Bible together. And it's just women caring for women, carrying the weight for each other. Uh, women who know that it'd be so difficult and they'd be pulled apart if they didn't have anybody else. And that is the benefit of being together, of belonging. And so, you know, someone in your group might get sick and they'll take food over, or someone is pregnant and they have their baby, they provide food for a month for the family so that the poor dad has to, doesn't have to cook dinner. We, I benefited from that a couple times. And it's just people carrying the weight of people. We have Barnabas groups. Now that one's not in your bulletin, but they're these uh, groups of adults, single or married couples that meet once a month 
in homes, not in restaurants. Typically, it's in a home, and you eat a meal together. That's like the best part. Um, and then there's Bible, you know, crazy things like that. Um, <laughs> you meet, you eat dinner together, enjoy time together, get to know each other once a month. And uh, you have read something of a similar thing from the Bible, so you have a common ground to talk about. You pray for each other's concerns and needs. You text each other in the middle of the month, see how things are going. And it's just carrying the weight of each other. That is why we do those things, is so that you have a place to belong and you don't feel like a Waldo. You don't feel like you don't have a place and no one knows your name and you don't know anybody else's name. It's because of these things. You know, and then you begin to, you know, put these things together. Um, you, you put together a small group, and then you put together the, the, the people that you meet on, on Sunday morning, and then you put together serving in a ministry, and it, it gets even better, you know? We just, we just wove these things together. We just wove these together. There are three of these, okay? Remember, is you know, a cord of three strands is not easily broken, you know? So here's just three of them. So remember how much this one could carry? I told you. How much could this one carry? 300 pounds. So I put three of them together. Okay? And so how much could now this carry? Okay, it's not. Uh-uh. 2,000 pounds. It's interesting how the math works on that. When you start to twist and tie things and people together so tightly, you can carry heavier and heavier weight. And there are people in this room that are carrying heavy burdens right now. And the only way that they can do it is because they've got some people who are around them that are partnered up with them that are caring for them. And you need that too. So I want you to belong here at Grace. And so for some of you, this is your next step. Now there are some people in here who are at the opposite end of that scale. You have enough friends, you're like, I'm done, I'm good. I don't need any more people, okay? I'm surrounded by people. Don't forget, there are other new people who are always coming that need you to be a part of their rope. Just because you have enough, church isn't just about you, it's about you being a support for other people too. You gotta have someone in the rope to, to wrap around each other. And so if you kind of feel like, well, I've got enough, maybe it's time for you to start a platoon. Maybe it's time for you to start a set-apart group. Maybe it's time for you as a couple to talk together for the next month or two and decide that you want to, to be a leader, a host of a Barnabas group. And so that more and more people can experience this. Isn't this what you want? So many people surrounding you and you surrounding other people from various aspects and ministries and places and things that you are just to help carry the 2,000 pound weight kind of stuff that you have in your life. This is what you want. And this is the next step for some of you. If you want to join our church family, if you want to belong to the Grace family, we have a process for that. Uh, we have a class that Pastor Chuck teaches where you can ask any question that you want. Uh, we're not advertising it right now, I and mean, you're going to forget by the time that we get to, around to advertising it. So just write on that little insert on your tear-off card from your bulletin, just right at the bottom, put me on the membership mailing list or something like that. Make sure we have your cell phone number and email address there. And we'll just put you on the list, and when we start to advertise that class again, it'll be in a month or two. Uh, you'll get an email saying, thank you for signing up for that. you're like, I don't remember signing up for that. Well, you did. The second week of January, you did. Okay? And we want you to come because we want you to belong to the Grace family. Some of you want to 
being a small group, that sounds good to you. It's kind of weird. You never really thought of it like that before. Eating with guys I don't know. That's in your bulletin. We do something unprecedented. We put the phone numbers of the people who lead it in your bulletin. That is not so that you can go take that back to work and put them on your phone call list, okay? The reason that we do that is so that you can call them up and say, hey, I'm coming. Or for you introverts, just text them because you don't want to call, okay? (laughs) That's why their phone number is there. Just call them, just text them. Show up this week. And so you can begin to build a belonging here, not just an attending here. Because if you're alone, you're falling away. And I don't want you to fall away. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It just means you grow weaker and weaker. But we want you to grow stronger and stronger in the things of God. We want your spiritual life to be like this. Being a part of carrying 2,000 pounds, part of your life, part of someone else's life. You can do it together. Now, this is not a silver bullet, by the way, to make you have friends or make you friendly. Eh? But I can guarantee you, if you go to a men's small group this week, when you come back next Sunday, you will know two, three, four, five, six names that you didn't know, and you can shake their hands next week, and you can sit with wherever they're sitting, sit with them next week, and that is where the belonging begins. To ha- That's the koinonia, the fellowship, the closeness, the partnership and sharing. That's where it begins. And there are guys in our church that have been in platoons for 30 years. Imagine the tightness, the bond. You want bonds like that. It's got to start somewhere. It's going to start with that text or that phone call and that name in your bulletin this afternoon, okay? After the football games are over. (laughs) Some of you are not to that step. Some of you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and that's something that you need to do. That's the first step. I don't want you to join a small group. If you've never even put your faith in Jesus, that's where it starts. As a matter of fact, to join our church, there are only two requirements to join our church. One is that you're a believer. That's step one. And the second is that you be baptized, just so that we all know it. <laughs> and not even baptized here. Um, just baptized somewhere after your salvation. That's the, only, that's the only two requirements. But some of you are in that stuff. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. You know that your sin is separating you from God, and you need a Savior to wash you from your sin. And, and so you might want to put your faith and trust in Jesus today to take that very first step. And we as a church family would like to help you do that. So would you mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes today? If you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus, take that very first step now that you've heard the things of Jesus. You're not sure what to do? I can help you with what to do. All you do is you talk to God. You don't need to say anything out loud. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to walk anywhere. In the quietness of your own heart, God knows your intentions. And this is what you could say to God. You could say, God, I know that I've sinned, and I know that that separates me from you forever. And I believe what that pastor said about Jesus. I believe that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for my sin, that he rose from the grave, uh, proving that he is God. And I know that I need a Savior, and I believe that Jesus is that very Savior. So I put my faith and my trust in, in this Jesus. I put my life and my eternity in the hands of this Jesus. And if your head's still bowed and your eyes still closed, the immediate promise is that the Holy Spirit, that one that we read about, will come and live inside of you too and will help you live the life that is honoring to Jesus. He'll help you do it. You don't have to do it on your own. He'll help you do it. 
There are many of you in here who are already saved, already been baptized, but you just have decided not to belong for whatever reason. Maybe you'd like to belong. And so first make a commitment to God before you call anybody. Say, God, I I really want to have other Christians around me and I want to be around other Christians um, to be spiritually stronger. And so I pray that you lead me to the right group. Help me to know which one to call and give me the guts to do it. God, I thank you for your word and the example of these Christians that we can follow uh, 2,000 years later. We praise you for that in Jesus' name, amen.